To my happy place Where all the happy kids And lazy ones Can find a way Where all the fathers And the moms Won't have to cry today Cause ain't nobody Die today Praying to my dying day Pray that all my homies And my lady friends Will fly away Look up to the clouds And hope my grandmoms Is proud of me Hope she proud of me And my family Surrounding me In my happy place In my happy place you're listening to the first episode of the Dopo season two. I originally did not plan on returning and doing more episodes for the show in the middle of summer. I actually was gonna wait until the fall quarter started at UCI, but I just felt so hyper and so motivated to just go out and try new things for my podcast. So that's why today uh, I'll be talking with my friend Ben Mullen from Sports Business Classroom. Uh, we met uh, in Vegas at at this uh, program. It was uh, like a program that was kind of immersed in the NBA Summer League. And we just learned a lot about like the salary cap and scouting and video analytics, stuff like that. Um, we'll be talking more about like our experiences at SBC in this episode, as well as future episodes where I try to bring on more SBC friends. But yeah, I just wanted to do a little intro before Ben comes on. And also try to announce some like future ideas for my podcast, which is just bringing on more community college students and talking about our experiences from community college and transferring more SBC people, um, perhaps like more Asian Americans in sports. That's like an idea I got from Nate Duncan from SBC. More movie and TV show episodes because I feel like everyone loves movies and tv shows so it's, that's something really easy to like do for um my podcast and I, I already got like one guy for like more atlanta episodes my guy rob antle from spc um more episodes about answering questions for non-sports fans so it's if you look at my episode with cassandra she just like asked me a bunch of like questions that non-sports people would want to know and you know it's pre- it's pretty fun for me to do because i you know don't have to really prepare for much you know uh, more music episodes talking about frank ocean with james garcia from sbc um and then maybe i'm gonna try to do a solo episode where i can just like get some stuff off my chest or i can just like try to do just try to do, do like an episode alone you know and just talking to myself and lastly i just want to announce that i'm gonna try to do one episode a week this summer and then we're going to eventually try to move to two to three per week. And it'll probably be doable in the summer, but for the next two months. But once the quarter starts, I might have to like readjust. But I don't know. We'll see. And here's my guest for this episode, Ben Mullen. We spent one week in Vegas together at Sports Business Classroom. It was probably the best experience of my life. What about you? Um, yeah, I like that. That was like the densest week of education that I've ever had. And it was also at NBA Summer League. And so it was also very fun. Yeah. which makes a big difference. Yeah. 
And I felt like I felt like I learned more in in that week than maybe maybe all all my years in college and maybe high school as well. Maybe exaggeration. Yeah, well, that was maybe. I I I I don't think. I mean, I like I definitely. So like I've I've done two years of law school now, and I definitely learned more in that one week than I did my last year in law school in terms of like practical stuff. Um, and it would like sports biz classroom is like the nerdiest environment that I've ever been in. But all of that nerdydom is like laser focused on basketball. Um, so everybody seems like they're very cool. But it was just like a huge gathering of the dorks. Yeah. But it's like we were all basketball nerds, but we're also nerds in like other things too, you know? So that's what I liked a lot. Sometimes, sometimes, you know, we didn't feel like talking about basketball. So we talked about something else. Oh, yeah. That, that's like the best conversations I had had nothing to do with basketball. Because um, at some point with basketball, you're just like repeating things that you've heard from people who are more informed than you. Yeah, I think uh, like one of my questions is like, how do we, me and you, meet at SBC? And I think it's just because I sat down next to you, and then I think you you saw something cool that I had, and then we just started talking, and then we just started talking about like tech and iPads and Apple devices, right? Yeah, and, and then found out that you are an econ major. and that, that was when I knew that Adam Doe was the real deal. The real deal. And you said you were a longtime listener, and now you were a guest, or what was and it? Lo- first time, long time. Very happy to be on. Um, which, not to, not to distract from the matter at hand, but uh, compliments to the Doe post. I love the format. I think, like, I listened to, today I listened to the episode where you had a, uh, Cassandra on and had like sports questions from a non-sports person and I thought that was great that was awesome yeah it's like one of my best ideas ever because I don't have to do much prep I just like show up and then the guest has to do the prep and then they ask me stuff and like I get to be surprised with whatever they ask me you know get to but think it's great of my because feet. like there there is like genuinely a divide between sports people and non-sports people of like Everybody has something in their life that's just absurd that they care about way more than they should. And, like, for us, that's sports. And so getting to, like, explain it to somebody else is always, like, super fun. Yeah. And it was it was really hard for me because some of her questions were, like, the broadest basketball questions that you could think of. Like, what's the best, what's the best skill that a basketball player should have? Oh, I, I love that one. I yeah. love that one because it's like that. That's one of those where you can give a one sentence answer, or you can talk for an hour without stopping. I try to be like so fair with my answer, and I was like, you know, there there's specialists in basketball, but the best players are like good with everything. You know, I hope yeah. I hope she like learned a lot from from me. No, I I think that that would be like useful for anybody that's just like curious about why people care so much about this. Yeah, it's um, like it's like that. Like, really yeah. is like once you once you like are dealing with adults, like the biggest barrier to entry for sports for people who haven't grown up with sports is like just why do you people care so much about why the ball goes in the hoop? Yeah, and that was that was like a good like I feel like anybody could listen to that and, and understand why people devote so much time to understanding something so kind of dumb. Yeah, I guess people also they look at the game on TV and like they think that in the basketball world it ends with the game right like everything important like it all happens within the game and one of my takeaways from SBC was just it's not about basketball you know there's just so much more involved that you, you're not seeing or you just don't know about that happens outside of the camera's view um, just like being being in the pit area at SBC you get to see the executives and the journalists just talking hanging out and making more connections possibly and that's the side of basketball that you don't see on TV. Right. That was, that was, I think maybe my biggest takeaway was just how, like how much, uh, just being in the middle of all of that humanized basketball, like basketball is just, it is, it is the most like empathetic human sport out of anything that we have in this country, because like the guys don't wear helmets. There's 10 of them on the court at once. Like, you know what everybody looks like. You get a feel for everybody's personality and the coach's personalities. Like it's it it really is a community in a way that like it's almost it's almost like learning another language where you just you know all of these people and and these athletes in a way that's just like a little bit different than anything else. And when you think about it, do you ever see like just 
uh, highlight reels of basketball games where they show like a funny moment during the game where the bench just like they all just like start cheering for the team and they start like I don't know doing some Fortnite dancing or something because I don't I can't remember like ever seeing something like that in a in a football game you know or a baseball right game. that's well that that's the that's the thing that makes basketball different than everything else is everything is just so much more spontaneous and like genuine where like football if you score a touchdown you have a celebration but that's a celebration that's been rehearsed and like you know like everybody on your team knows if this person scores a touchdown this is what we're going to do and you go up and it's it's like putting on a play but basketball everything there's there's just no stopping and so stuff happens that's completely unexpected all the time and you just you kind of get a look at people that's like a little bit more i don't know like pure or genuine than than the other sports it's just less rehearsed yeah, I like how the players' personalities, they can, they, they feel, it feels like a lot, there's a lot more freedom in the NBA for players to express their personality. And, you know, there, there's, you know, they get fined for, you know, being a little towing the line or crossing the line for things, but, you know, being comedic, being funny, that's like definitely allowed and it's like encouraged in the NBA. And, you know, if the players get lucky, like they, they get like a bunch of retweets on Twitter or they show up on like the NBA Reddit, the subreddit, and they they could just be doing something silly on the on on the bench, you know. And I love that. I love it. And it's right. Yeah. I yeah. I think I think basketball is like ahead of the game and allowing their players to just like totally be themselves. Um, and and it you know not everything has to be run through like the marketing department's filter before you let the public see it, which is great. Yeah. Well, even even if they, it has to run through their marketing department, it still it still feels like so loose and so relaxed and yeah yeah. So it's like even I think all those thousands of retweets on Twitter when some some uh, when a player does something funny, it's like not all of those retweets could are like basketball fans. Like it could just be someone who thought it was funny and they could not care less about basketball. Right. Well, that's what, like, even in the last week, like, what's been the biggest story on SportsCenter? It's LeBron and his kids' AAU game. Like, basketball has, like, this is a recent thing with basketball where we're, we're talking about it at the end of July instead of talking about football or baseball, which is, like, crazy. Like, ESPN has not cared about basketball 365 days a year until, like, very recently. I think a lot of that is just allowing the players to like totally be themselves in front of the public yeah and it's cool because uh videos of lebron supporting his kids like that it also brings in people from like other other areas so i'd say like people from i don't know maybe the political world or are just chiming in and saying you know why 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 do we care if if lebron is showing love for his kids or what why why do we have to report on this would you would you agree with something like that oh yeah i mean that that's like my biggest takeaway with the LeBron thing is just it's July. The only sport that's active is baseball, so we have nothing to talk about. If LeBron was doing this on like a three day break during the season, I don't think anybody would know about it. I think it's just we have nothing to talk about with sports right now. Like we're not going to talk about the hundredth game of the baseball season for an hour. So let's talk about LeBron doing something, which is like I, I think a lot of it is people haven't been around AAU. Uh, because AAU is like generally just a clown show. Like AAU is ridiculous, and what LeBron is doing is like not some like you would see a random dad doing that at any AAU tournament that you go to. And when a random dad does that, people get annoyed. When LeBron does that, you've got like thirty kids out there who that is something that they'll remember for the rest of their life. Which is allegedly like why we do this stuff is you you give these kids an opportunity to kind of experience the world in a different way through sports and i mean i don't know like if i like took a test in school and lebron came in and started doing a knee breaker in front of me i would think that's pretty cool i wouldn't complain about him making it about himself yeah and i remember remember reading an article saying that i think lebron's uh son's team they won or they lost or something but the main point of the article is lebron like went up to an opposing player i think and he said like hey like i hope i'll still be playing when you're when you're in the league and then that that opposing player like started crying because of what he said yeah i saw that and people like it it, it you get to a, a degree where you've just commodified the sport so much 
that you forget that when you're talking about something like this, it, it's a bunch of 14-year-olds. And, like, any 14-year-old, LeBron being at your game, being excited, like, whether he's rooting for your team or not, LeBron being at your game and being hyped about it, like, that's amazing. Like, you, like, that. that's a very important person that everybody in the world knows who he is, and he's taking time out of his day to be at your 15-year-old AAU game, and he's excited to be there. Like, that's... That's like that, that. That's meaningful to the kids, which is why we do stuff like this. That's you know, out, outside of professional sports, which is largely you win the genetic lottery or not. The biggest benefit of sports is stuff like that. That you know, you've got kids that aren't necessarily good at other things, and then they see LeBron getting excited about that, and it kind of opens new avenues. It, it kind of gets you confident in yourself in ways that you haven't really felt before. Yeah. And that I think that I think that like greatly outweighs people being mad that LeBron is on television again, because um, I think that's mostly just like haters. Yeah, and also I remember people would just keep making comments on his hairline, like, "Oh, I don't care about his hairline; it looks fine, and it's just his hair." Come on. Yeah, that's uh, memes are all that matter in the world anymore. I think. Yeah. And LeBron's hairline makes a good meme. Yeah, I feel like memes are uh, dying. By the way, man, I that, I'm glad you brought that up. I I think we we are either at a turning point or getting close to a turning point on memes, and I'm I'm excited to see the future of memes because I I like I don't know like three or four years ago it was just all like the same three like dumb macro memes like success kid and all the dumb animal memes and stuff, and now we've gone like full on into absurdist memes and like post-ironic stuff and so i'm excited to see what the next step is for memes. i think the next step should be ultra metaphysical memes where it's like where it's like breaking the fourth wall type of memes you know like like how deadpool breaks the fourth wall that's what i want because i'm i'm post meme i like i especially like like sports and politics have kind of become like they're treated the same way now like it's it's almost literally the same people that cover them like you've got all these journalism majors that were into both of them and then got a job in one or the other. And so you get a game or like a debate and the takeaway is here's this meme moment of six seconds of the three hours that you watched last night. And I, I hopefully people are getting sick of the takeaways from something like that being here's two images that can sum everything up. Um, Cause that's, it's, it, I mean, one, it's lazy, but two, it just, it, it distorts the reality of it. And it's annoying, I think, also when you see the older politicians try to, like, be hip and they do try to p- post, like, their own memes on social media, but, like, no one gets it and everyone no, knows that they don't get what memes are. That's the thing is, it, it like, you as long as you're genuine, you'll be fine within, like, the meme ecosystem because if you don't understand memes and you're honest about that, it's funny to everybody that doesn't understand it that does understand memes because we know that if you're 70 years old, you didn't like, this is new. This is stuff that's happened in your sixties. And like, I get you not understanding memes, but like, don't, don't try to pretend that you do. Um, Cause it's just, it's kind of gross. Yeah, it is kind of gross. Well, like going back to your point about 14 year old kids being excited when like LeBron dunks at your game, I feel like, we were excited 14-year-old kids at SBC during the entire week when we got to see like a bunch of executives and journalists and you know and podcasters who came to like hang out with us, you know. I think for me the first day was like when Nate Duncan came and I didn't realize he was a super tall guy. So, <laughs> so then pe- people started pointing out to me and like, "Hey, look, it's Nate Duncan." And then I look and then it was, I, I was caught by surprise by like two reasons like one he was super tall but two his haircut does not reflect his like twitter profile picture it's like yeah super short but you know nate duncan was like the first like nba nba lebron figure you know if if, if you know what i mean that i that got me oh, like that shook. Was, yeah that that the nate duncan thing was absolutely hilarious and he was in when we broke out into small groups for our, our collective bargaining practicum, 
uh, he was my group's leader. And so I got to talk to him a little bit about that, of just like the how weird the environment was for him. Of He was like the superstar. Like he was like the hot girl at SBC. Like as soon as he walked into a room, everybody like ran up to him, wanted to talk to him. And that was like, that's like the only room in the world where he's like that. And so we were just kind of talking about how absurd that was. Um, that he like cultivated this like very, very niche, like superstardom, um, among like the biggest basketball nerds. Yeah. I think Wes Wilcox was a, a superstar for us as well. Everyone loves Wes Wilcox. Uh, Wes Wilcox is, is one of the like smartest, most well-rounded people I've ever seen. Wes yeah. Wilcox like blew me away every time we talked. Yeah. He was my, um, expert when we did the, the practicum. So it was crazy. So it's like, I hear that all, all the experts, they had their own way of like doing things for the practicum. So I remember like Eric Pincus saying that he preferred to, you know, just be the guide and just, you know, advise the students and then let them do the deal making. But for me, uh, Wes, he, he took like a leadership role and he, he kind of like tried to lead us into the right direction and like just lead us to success. But if he like needed to make a deal or like help us make a deal, like he, he was definitely down for it. So I remember he would just like try to find like his, his closer colleagues, I guess, and then try to see what they were thinking, like try to see if they would be uh, willing to make a deal with him. And I guess for me, like I didn't know too much about the deal making process. So I, I was really just like observing, watching and trying to learn. But I loved how like how good of a leader he was like he made things so simple. And, you know, the, one of the first things we did with as a group was he just sat, sat us down and he, he asked us like, oh, you guys, what are our top three or top four goals? Just like really broadly, like he just wanted broad answers. And like we just like figured them out and just went on from there, you know. Right, and and for the people listening who don't know Wes Wilcox, he was the GM of the Atlanta Hawks. I get, yeah, I got to talk to him a couple times, and the thing that like really really impressed me from him is a, if you said something to him that was like even remotely ambiguous, he would always have a follow up question that like immediately cut at the heart of what you were trying to say, so that you weren't like there, with Wes. There was no chance of you miscommunicating something. Um, he was very big on everybody being on the same page before we start to work, uh, which is one of those things that is hard to do because it's kind of boring. Um, but even when, like, he had, he had, I don't know, he did probably five hours of scouting instruction, and the first two or three hours of it were literally just defining terms. Yeah, that was so genius. How we think about athleticism and, and basketball IQ and stuff. And that that's that's one of those like that's that's how you get that job is you're you're the one that is able to look at twenty people in a room and know why each person is saying what and whether if somebody's saying something and you disagree with it is it just because you aren't using the same words or is it because you actually disagree with them um, and he was good at that in a way that just very 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 few people on earth are. He is probably the only person during SBC for me where he just said so many things that were brilliant or genius, but they're just so simple when you think about it. So during the scouting sessions with him, like I remember someone asked him how they, how they, uh, how they usually rank uh, draft prospects. And then he, like, he broke it down for us and he said, if it's way too early before the draft, then we don't do like one to 30 because it's too hard to justify like why someone should be the 30th pick and why someone should be the 27th pick. So he said like do that latest as late as possible. And if you're early, then you just split it into three tiers, tier 1, tier 2 and tier 3. That way it's a lot easier to put them in tiers and like less like justification required. That was so like brilliant and like so simple when you think about it, but like I just never thought of it that way. Right, that was I love that cuz that's that's one of those things that, and once you once you get through econometrics and your upper level econ stuff, you'll start thinking this way. Of like when you play fantasy, you'll start to group things into tiers instead of one, two, three, four, five. Because unless there's a big gap between two players, whether or not one of them will finish above the other, be better than the other, is just randomness and based on whether a million random things go right or wrong. And so you get people in the media who 
need to come up with a top 30 big board because that's what people want to read who have to figure out a way to what's the difference between 26 and 27. But if you're actually doing that job, that doesn't really provide you a whole lot of value. Um, and just like having the perspective of somebody who has actually done the job before and isn't going to like there, there was no bluster with Wes. Like everything was like very, very grounded, realistic, um, which was like, that's, that to me is like the most valuable thing. Yeah, I didn't I didn't get much time with him, but like the time I did get with him was so incredibly valuable to me. Right. Yeah, it was um and that that was the that was like I think honestly the best thing about SBC was we got to hear from a lot of people who have actually done the big jobs. Um like like we heard from what, like three three former general managers. There were a um, lot there are a lot of executives. Yeah, like, Mark Cuban. Of, like, Mark Cuban came to us during lunch, I think, right? That was that was that was the one point I had written down that I wanted to make sure that we hit was the stuff that Mark Cuban came in and said. Yeah. Um because like Mark Cuban like in terms of like people on earth who have valuable time, he's very, very, very far up there. Like Mark Cuban can be successful in anything that he decides to do. And so if he decides to set aside 45 minutes to talk to people, it's going to be 45 minutes that he wants to convey a certain information to people. And just like that, that was the one thing that I have in front of me right now is the notes that I took during Mark Cuban's thing of just, okay, this, this Mark Cuban has set aside his lunch to come tell us things. I want to make sure that I'm, I'm constantly thinking about what he decided to convey to us in that time. And, um, I mean, it, 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 it kind of, kind of like with Wes, he said a lot of things that to like actually understand you need to be in the top 1% of people in the history of the earth of computer science and calculus ability and vocabulary and just like general IQ. And he explained it all with words that are like three syllables or less, which is like, that's, that's what like real genius is, is being able to explain something that complicated in terms that a fifth grader could understand. Yeah. And you know, Mark Cuban actually, uh, if you listen to the podcast that Larry put on the Slack today, they actually had to move Mark Cuban to a different time, uh, uh, compared to like his original time because of like conflicts or something. So the time that we got with Mark was actually like plan B so he actually moved moved his schedule around to like come talk to us. So that was great to hear from the podcast. Yeah, and that's like I I've heard I've heard from Cuban on a couple of like smaller podcasts. Like I heard him on an esports podcast when I friends listening to it a few months ago. And like he makes time for things that he's just interested in that he's not going to get any financial return for because he has enough money for a million lifetimes. And so he he willing to just, okay, this is something that, like, there here's this group of 100 people that I think I can influence in a positive way, and that's how I want to spend this time. Because, um, I mean, there, there are a thousand people in his phone that he could have called during that hour to make a bunch of money, and he decided to come and talk to a bunch of, you know, 20-year-olds. 20, yeah, mostly, yeah, we, we were mostly 20-year-olds, huh? Couple. Yeah, it was, a, it was a, a really young group. Like, I, I like, a lot more undergrads than I thought, which was like super impressive to me of like that many people who haven't even graduated college yet, who have some sense of direction. Um, cause that's, I think that's hard to do. Yeah. Also Mark, Mark, by the way, he's super humble guy in my opinion, because I remember, um, Chanel, she wanted to ask him a question and she addressed him as like Mr. Cuban. But then he's like, Mark, Mark, just call me Mark. Well, yeah, that was uh, the next day I sent him an email because uh, I had a question about esports analytics, and he emailed me back in 12 minutes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. He's an email guy. Big um, email guy. If, you, if anybody, anybody listening, if you want to email Mark Cuban, mcuban at gmail.com. Wait, is that public? Yep. That, that is public, and that's fully public information. Okay. Sounds good. And yeah. also, any literally any celebrity that you want to email, if you type in their first name, last name at Gmail, their first name, middle initial, last name at Gmail, or first initial, last name at Gmail, you're probably going to get to them. So it's like a guessing game, right? Yeah, it is. Like you, you, you can get in touch with like probably like 80% of famous people by just doing that. Wow. 
I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, I, I, I watched this like video with Mark Cuban uh, a couple months ago where he was just like going through his daily routine and he said in the video that he does not like to go to meetings. So instead he just like answers like maybe a thousand emails a day. And that's probably how he answered your email. Yeah. Which I love that because that's one of those like kind of general economic principles of what's the best way to make the best decision. You can have your perspective and you can research a billion hours and come up with like the best, most refined version of your perspective, or you can just listen to a thousand people and those thousand people like collectively are going to be better than anything you could ever come up with yourself. Yeah. And so like, I think, I think he probably sees a lot of value in just like going through his inbox and saying, what are the questions that random people want to ask Mark Cuban? I think that's probably worth a lot. Yeah. And it also gives him like more time to do other things. So like he said that he drops his girls off at school and he goes, he likes to go to the, the Dallas Mavericks arena to like, get some shots in and hear like this, the swish sound before a game starts. And yeah, I, I feel like I wish, I wish I could be like that someday where I just have to answer emails. Right. Isn't that the dream? Yeah. Answer emails and just do whatever else that you want to do. Well, that was and kind of leading into the, the substance of what he talked to us about was he was very focused on the future in a way that, most of the people that we heard from were most of the people that we heard from were this is how you win in basketball now or how you get a job in basketball now. And Mark Cuban spent, I don't know, 15 minutes on one question just talking about machine learning and neural networks. Yeah. He said, he said, as long as you have the ability to sell, you will always have a job in sports. Yes. Yes. He, cause that, that was one of his biggest focuses was, talking about the NBA as an entertainment product um, instead of just, you know, most, most of the people in the NBA, their job is to maximize winning as much as possible. And Mark Cuban is smart enough and has enough money that he can maximize winning and also maximize just being a memorable experience for a family of five to go to a basketball game on a Tuesday. Yeah. And I feel like Mark Cuban had the most questions or the most people who wanted to ask him questions. Like, did you even get to ask him a question in person? Because, I, like, I, I wasn't picked. I didn't get to be picked. No, no. Because, I mean, he, I think his shortest answer was, like, 10 minutes. Yeah. Um, because it was, I mean, it, it was just a total brain dump of all of the information he has on that question. But, right. I was, yeah, like you were saying about selling, I had it written down that uh, he said selling is, is about helping, which is one of those things that, like, once you get past the cynicism of marketing, like if you genuinely have a good product and you believe in it, then you are actually helping people. Um, and that's, that's just one of those things that you don't hear from people about marketing very often. Mostly marketing is about how to sell the most instead of just focusing on helping people first and then the sales kind of happen on their own because you can show people that you can make their life easier. Yeah, totally, totally. All right, so... Let's move on to something else. Let's do, mm, do you want to talk more about SBC or go, go, to, go, to, go to some other topic? Let's see. Uh, I, let, let's, we can come back to SBC if we've got some, some time. Let's, let's go on to what's, what's going on in our lives. What's going on with Adam Doe's life? Adam how's, Doe's how's life. How's UC Irvine? I am just working at Target right now and planning out my future, really, just coming up with ideas of what I want to do what kind of opportunities I, I would want to go for um, meeting up with old friends or like maybe an old professor and just catching up with them. And I feel like a lot, a lot, a lot of people I've hung out with so far, like they just want to know more about SBC or, and they just want to know like how I got, uh, I got to be chosen as one of the top students and like be invited back next year. Um, Wait, hold on. No, you need to pause on that and brag for a second. Um, Adam Doe was selected as one of, what, four or five of the top performing students at SBC out of 87? Yeah, five, five out of 87. Um, yeah, I was so, I was so like surprised and grateful to be chosen. Um, I actually thought, I actually thought I wouldn't be chosen because the second person picked was like our, our, our friend, um, Sam Shin. And, mm -hmm. you know, most, I don't know if you know this, but like Sam, Sam graduated from UC Irvine 
this year and right. me, me and him know each other in, from our sports business club but like most people did not know that you know they and they I, I feel like a lot of people don't even know that me and Sam drove together from LA to Vegas and we were that. like also roommates in the hotel as well and look at that iron iron sharpens iron iron sharpens iron is that is that the say the phrase that is it's two two very strong individuals who came together and made each other better even better nice i like that i like that so yeah when 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 they were like announcing who who were the top students i thought that if they picked sam that mean that meant that they weren't going to pick me because we we went from the went to the same school but when i talked to like uh larry and dave and jeff and the interns they they actually had no idea that me and Sam were from the same school. Only Larry knew, but like he 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 never told anyone because like no one asked. So they right. they were like also shocked that like they they chose two people from the same school. That's great. I didn't even know that. Yeah, which makes sense. Yeah, you 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 brought each other up. Yeah. Well, anything? What else? What else should we talk about, Ben? Uh, I think I, I like the question about how SBC kind of changed changed your perspective on. I guess one basketball, two sports generally, and three life in in general. I feel like we kind of covered that question in the beginning with just like you know how it's not about basketball at all. At the end of the day, there's just so much more to it than the game. And for me, when I was like walking around the pit or just like after our our sessions were done, like the basketball games were probably the least interesting part of my night. You know, my, my it was a lot more interesting just going around and talk to people. And uh, hang right. out with you guys. Like, and... I was I was like shocked how little basketball I actually ended up watching. I did not. I watched like one and a half games, I think. And the one game was just like when we did the social media stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So, and then I have another part of my my outline, which is which is grading the dope post as a name for an NBA themed podcast. Is, that is the next one that I was going to get to. Let's I'm glad you go. That Let's up. go, Ben. Let's go. We're going to start with the positives because I think there are only positives. I think it's a perfect name um, because I think that podcast names generally don't matter that much. I think it's the the person, it's the host that actually matters. And so you've got a name where like hardcore basketball people are going to see that and like immediately get it. And that's going to like draw like a decent amount of people in because they're going to understand the joke. And then everybody else, I think you don't have to worry about uh, because you've got a good thing going here and you're a good host. Thank you, Ben. I appreciate it. So it's like the dope post for me when I was picking it, it was actually my cousin, Mac, who who, who uh, suggested it to me because my first option was the dough show, but he can't, he told me like the dope post and like I, the word post just like gives my, gives the, the name like a little more edge to it, you know? And that's why, like, I, I, I decided on the dope post. And I always, I always like a, a title that ends with hard content. Yeah, yeah. I think that I think that's almost always good. Um, as somebody, as somebody with a name that is one syllable, all soft consonants, uh, saying my name over the phone is terrible because, like, ninety percent of the time, I'm getting back. Did you say Dan or Tim? And post. I know what you said. Yeah, all the time. That's a I good heard point. it correctly. I'm going to be able to type it into iTunes correctly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think dope post. I think there are no negatives. And now I'm gonna. I'm just gonna throw something out there and see how you react to this. Um, what do you What do you think about bippity bippity bop? <laughs> yeah, dude. So, so you're you're referencing like the first uh, art, uh, the first post I made about SBC, right? Yeah, Steve Steve Shenbaum, yeah. uh, greatest motivational speaker I've ever seen. Okay, so like here's the deal. So I wrote I wrote a sort of social media post where I put on like my Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and it was just a list of 20 ways that sports business classroom changed my life. And I wrote it in a way that was meant to like make people more curious and like make people like want to ask me like what what certain things meant. So like I wrote bibbity bibbity bop because no one no one outside of SBC would know what that meant, right? So I purposely right. wrote it that way just so people can ask me what they what they meant. So for like my interpretation of like Bibbidi Bibbidi Bop was it's more like Steve Shenbaum when he was like pointing at you. It's kind of like how in life where you get an opportunity or something and you have to like say bop and you have to like take the opportunity. 
that's what that's kind of what i i got from it but like he was explaining he was doing like he was explaining it as like hide and seek or something something like that but i feel like bibbidi bibbidi bop is that it's like when you think of bibbidi bibbidi it's like people are like getting chosen for opportunities and then when you get chosen for an opportunity it's like bop it's your time did i just blow right. your mind and it then? was it i think you did i yeah. think that, i think that was a, i think that was a metaphor that i wasn't completely ready for yeah it, uh, it gets yeah, real uh, it gets real on the, on the dope post I mean, that's, that's what I expect from the dope post. Uh, but yeah, Steve, Steve Shenbaum, anybody who hasn't heard of him, uh, go on YouTube, Steve Shenbaum. There's a great YouTube video of him with uh, Telvin Smith when he was a linebacker at FSU, where they have a conversation where all of the words are just them counting to 100 together. <laughs> and it's like, like, like everything that he kind of did with us, it's just like all improv comedy. And so it's, Everything being said is just one, two, three, four, but there's different emotion and different physical actions. And at some point, Steve, like, tears his ACL or something and has to be taped up. And there's, like, at no point is anybody verbally communicating any ideas to each other. And it's still, like, losing absolutely nothing in translation. Um, and it, it just, like, very, very focused on kind of one of the general themes of SVC that I kept picking up, which is taking like the matter at hand very seriously while being like totally willing to laugh at yourself and kind of the absurdity of the situation. He's like the best motivational speaker I've ever seen and probably the most one of the most original motivational speakers. Like I've just heard I've sat through so many where they just go on to like some corny corny speech really that's like been done before, you know? But he found a way to he found yeah, he found a way to include the corniness that you usually hear and but he, he he found a new way to like put in the corniness which is he did improv really and he just brought up volunteers to like interact with him and like try to you know also have fun just make people laugh and just make people feel more relaxed that's any any motivational speaker i ever see i just sit there and i'm waiting for the buzzwords to start dropping because that's when i know that oh this is just repeating stuff that you've heard before and you don't actually have something to add here and he talked for like two hours and the buzzwords never dropped. It was all stuff that I hadn't seen before. And that was like genuinely funny um, because there's like such a huge difference between corporate office event funny and actual funny. And he fell on the side of actual funny in a way that just so few motivational speakers are capable of. And there were surprises during his, uh, his, his, uh, lecture i guess or i don't know but it's like when when he brought up the volunteers like chanel or patrick there were surprises because you, you we did not know what patrick and chanel would do like we did we did not know that chanel would come up with a story about her fictional dog spot and then they would like make spaghetti or something with meatballs right yeah it was it was all just like completely absurdist out-of-the-box humor and because like he he knew what kind of group we had there that it was a bunch of like smart people who were passionate about stuff and just kind of brought all of that to the surface immediately like right at the start of the program in a way that just kind of made us all believe in everybody else that was there um and that i mean it was it was like tightrope walking kind of where if that goes wrong and somebody just stands there and has absolutely nothing then it just it's kind of a train wreck, but he, you know, had faith in us to come up with something and everybody did come up with something because as long as the environment is, you know, kind, um, you're going to be able to come up with something. Somebody's going to be able to bring out the best in you. And he was like really, really good at just bringing out the best in people. It was a great idea to like have him open out the week and just, you know, try to calm down the, the, the environment of the week for us, I think. Cause for me, I guess I was just very, you know, little like very anxious about about it all, and I was kind of like bringing in my my problems from like my life into the week. But like he was just saying, he he was sort of like making me feel like like just for this one week, Adam, like just forget the problems you have and like outside of Vegas and outside of SBC, and just like fully embrace this week and just take advantage of this opportunity that you have. So right, that was my my only like sort of like guiding principle or plan coming into it was I, I want to spend like two or three days just soaking up as much as I can without any sort of objective or goal 
and his first, uh, I guess, point of emphasis was the importance of embracing mystery. And like, as soon as I heard that, I was like, okay, this is what the people who run this program want to emphasize. And so I can lean full on into that instead of like having to deal with self doubt and, you know, trying to feel like I, I should be figuring something out or I should be doing this or I should be doing that the first few days. Um, I was able to just kind of sit back and get to meet people and relax and observe in a way that like, I'm not sure I would have been able to just like on my own, which was awesome. Yeah. It's like a TL, TLDL too long. Didn't listen. It's like what I got, got out of Steve was just like, calm down and have fun this week. That's it. Yes. It's, and it's one of those things that like he, Steve, Steve has done Congress and military generals and all this stuff. And uh, it's definitely a lesson that's easier to accept in sports when there aren't, like, literal life-and-death consequences, um, which I thought was great because sports doesn't have life-or-death consequences. It's a game. It's literally a game. And being willing to go into it with the mentality of this is fun and this is a game, like, really, really made a difference. Yeah. Well, all right, we're about to run out of time here. But Ben, we never got to talk about what you're 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 doing in your life right now. So, would you care to share? Sure. So I, I have one more year of law school left. I'm taking a gap year this year. I'm doing an internship with Oakland High School in Murfreesboro, Tennessee, for the football program. They're the defending 6A state champs. Um, ran through the playoffs last year. Scored outscored opponents like 160 something to 14. Um, and so I'm. I'm doing analytics uh, with their head coach, um, kind of taking a lot of, honestly, a lot of the stuff I learned from SBC in terms of how to think about wins and losses and decision-making um, and kind of getting a feel generally for the football landscape and then going back and finishing law school to do representation for initially high school and college football coaches uh, which is kind of a market that's a little bit underserved. Um, I don't think there are enough people who are trying to break into that um, as opposed to like representing players where everybody who goes to law school who's a sports fan kind of toys with at some point or another. Um, so I'm just kind of got another year of soaking up as much information as possible, learning, learning some programming, learning Python, because um, I did uh, – some like Excel and Stata stuff doing econ in undergrad, which is useful, but less useful than Python. So just kind of sitting back, taking a year to kind of soak in some things that I hadn't, hadn't thought about before SBC, and then going back and kind of hammering, hammering the law thing home and entering, entering the world. Yeah, that sounds great. But yeah, um, it sounds like... Um, you're on the right path. You're on the right path, Ben. Yeah, well, that was that was the, the first time I uh, – shout-out to Coach Kevin Creasy at Oakland. First conversation we had after I got back from SBC, he was like, hey, Matt, how do, you, how do you feel about that? And I was like, dude, I think I've seen the future, honestly. Like, basketball is just, like, 10 years ahead of football with how they think about math and decision-making. And so we've kind of been sitting down and breaking down the differences between the two sports – uh, what what makes them different and why, which has been really interesting. Yeah, it's like it's funny you said like you felt like you saw the future. I feel like it's was it because of the huge adrenaline rush that you still had after you came back from Vegas. I think a lot of it is just because basketball is a simpler game than football, and I, not in a demeaning way, but like there are there are less than half as many people on the playing field at one time. And everything's like free flowing, whereas football, you've got so much more planning that goes into each, literally each step that anybody takes that like just game theory wise, basketball is a little bit more solvable, um, which football is still solvable, I think, probably at some point in the future, unless the rules keep changing. And so it was just kind of basketball got to the point where people started to figure it out. And it kind of, once people start to figure something out like that, it starts to take exponential leaps because you've got like a more directed sense of direction. And so bringing that back and saying, okay, football is still like this big amalgamous mystery that's 
kind of floating around in the clouds in front of us, knowing that at some point it's going to be distilled down into fewer points than it is now and taking from basketball kind of just the efficiency stuff and how people think about things. And I think most importantly, like just the framework, the approach in basketball of understanding not only just the math, because we had, I mean, we had speakers that like went to MIT for engineering and stuff, but the communication aspects of it, of I don't care how much calculus you can do. If you can't communicate this to a 19 year old, it's meaningless. And so just being able to see that at such a high level and then translate that all the way down to like high school football, I think was extremely useful. Yeah. It's like we, we all got to learn how to be like Wes Wilcox when we talk about stuff and try to communicate ideas to people. Yes. If you, if you can't explain it to a second grader, you don't understand it. Yep. Ben, I feel like we could talk for another hour, but we are approaching an hour right now. So... I think I'm going to call it here, but any any last thoughts? I have no last thoughts other than everybody continue to listen to the Dope Post. Thank you, Ben. Thanks for being the first guest of season two Thank you. of Thank the Dope you, Post. It, it, it has been truly an honor and a pleasure. All right. Uh, yeah, I'll just end it here and uh, yeah, I'll stop recording now though. Man, I've been working super hard. I've been out here moving like I'm cruising in an Uber cart. Man, what you do it for? Wolves in the skies, tell them look me in my eyes so I know exactly who you are. Man, journey to my happy place, catch me if you can. Trying to change the world, but what's a dream without a plan? And I talked to God, and I caught up some of my friends, and I would explain myself, but y'all just wouldn't understand. Welcome to my happy place Where all the happy kids and lazy ones can find a way Where all the fathers and the moms don't have to cry today Cause ain't nobody die today Praying to my dying day Pray that all my homies and my lady friends will fly away Look up to the clouds and hope my grandmoms is proud of me Hope she proud of me And my family surrounding me In my happy place In my happy place Yo, yo, hi, I'm a saga zip, I hope they can't pronounce it now Looking for direction, but it seems that I have found my route Smile for the camera, they play my songs in Canada I try and keep a pace with y'all, but I don't have much stamina She wanna wear my coat for the night, cause I'm too cold Try and make my way to LA, just to do a show Woo, woo, getting money, psych, that ain't true, true Selling beats for hella cheap, just so I can move, move out um, but welcome to my happy place A common place where all them hip savvy kids can run away My chakra probably shocked the minds of imposters that come my way I've had a couple friends, but lately none of them has seen the state So for your mind, for your soul, don't sound it for a gold chain Or a false image, that's a picture, we will never friend Keep your fame, I do it for the people I don't need a name to speak the truth I'm happy where I'm at, I hope you see the change Sad, 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 sad.